0: If you feel you never have enough time or money to travel, then this is the show for you. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Today on Travel with Rick Steves, we're sharing budget travel tips with our listeners. With good planning and armed with the right information, even with our smaller dollar, you can get your money's worth on your next vacation. Another limited resource for those scheming up their next travel adventure is time. John DeGraff joins us to commemorate Take Back Your Time Day. And for some great ideas on just how to spend some of that precious vacation time, my friends Alfio and Tommaso join us to help plan a trip to Sicily and perhaps even look up some long-lost relatives. Regardless of your heritage, it's fun to consider the influence Sicilian immigrants have had on our American culture. We're learning new budget tricks, taking stock of our free time, and looking up relatives in Sicily, all in the hour ahead on Travel with Rick Steves. Stay with us. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. Time and money come together today on Travel with Rick Steves. Why? Because October 24th is National Take Back Your Time Day. Later this hour, John de Graff clues us in on this movement that aims to recover free time and longer vacations for us overworked Americans. We'll also get some pointers today on looking up your ancestors and maybe even meet some distant relatives. Alfio Di Maro and Tommaso Ponte are here from Sicily with tips on adding a little family research into your next Sicilian adventure. Even if your grandparents are born elsewhere, Alfio and Tommaso have some useful pointers on conducting family research that you can apply anywhere. To start, let's open the phones for your questions, stories, and ideas on stretching your travel dollar. What tips do you have for keeping your travel costs in line? We're at eight seven seven three 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 Rick. That's eight seven seven three 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 seven four two five. And you can always post your comments in the feedback form in the radio section at our website. It's RickSteves.com. Alan. He's calling us from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thanks for the call.
1: Hi, Rick. Good to talk to you. you uh, too. One big money saver and time saver for us was uh, when we had an early morning flight out and uh, we got in there late the evening before, we just decided to sleep in the airport overnight.
0: I think that's a great tip. Now, that's a great tip for... Uh, A lot of younger travelers. Are you doing this as a backpacking college student? Are you doing this as a... Well,
1: my daughter's a backpacking college student, but uh, my daughter Rebecca and I arrived in Geneva one night about 11 o'clock, and uh, we had a 5.30 a.m. flight the next morning. Geneva would be
0: very expensive for a hotel. Why spend $250 for five hours in a hotel? You can stay out late one night, go out to the airport, sack out, 5 o'clock, have a cup of coffee, and get on the plane, eh?
1: And you save the taxi ride.
0: Well, that's true, too, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing that listeners might want to know is uh, you can look up all the airports at www.sleepinginairports.net.
0: Great tip. sleep. That's an easy one to remember, sleepinginairports.net. Now, is this generally free places to sack out or little yep. cocoon-type hotels in airports?
1: No, Well, there, occasionally there is, but usually it's where the couches are and what airports, and they have airports from all over the world listed, and in fact, we looked up Geneva and we found a couch opposite the police station in the airport. Talk about safe.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. You know, um, I have found some airports lend themselves to sleeping free better than others, yeah. Some, some airports, technically, they won't let you sleep, so you've got to sit in a cafe all night or something like that, and every time you doze off, somebody's going to wake you up. Yeah, but Other... that's
1: on the website, too. It'll uh, describe where you can sleep, and police might check for your tickets, but generally, they just let you do your thing, mm-hmm. and it uh, works out pretty well if you do a little research ahead of time.
0: All right. Do you know a couple of airports offhand in Europe that are particularly good for sleeping free?
1: Well, Geneva, which I have a little write-up myself, in fact, my daughter has her picture on there, um, was very good. We found that nice leather couch right by the uh, police station in the airport, so that's pretty safe. Others, um, you'd have to look on the website.
0: A nice leather couch. I like it. I spent one night coming home from India with a sitar, and I remember I, I sort of tied the sitar to the couch, and I spent the night in the Frankfurt airport, me and my sitar, on the way back to Seattle.
1: Yeah, and actually it's kind of safe because you're locked in the airport and there's police around usually, so...
0: Talk about security. Absolutely. Alan from Grand Rapids, thanks for the tip. Thanks, Rick. You bet. That's sleepinginairports.net. Great tip from Alan in Michigan. John in Fresno, California, thanks for calling.
2: Well, thanks for having me, Rick.
0: Yeah, the dollar's not very strong. How do you save money on your travels?
2: Well, unfortunately, the only time that we're able to travel is during high season. So we use uh, overnight trains a lot, and we also try to maximize our time. In one of your guidebooks, you mentioned that different um, train stations do have lockers. And we um, were visiting Salzburg and decided to try to fit Vienna in before going to Venice. So early in the morning, we took a train out of Salzburg to Venice, and then we got to the train station and found that there were lockers. Uh, Unfortunately, none were available. So, um, and there were also maybe 15 or 20 people just waiting like vultures, you know, to find a locker. So my wife and I decided to become creative, and we thought since most of the hotels we have stayed in have carried um, or stored luggage, that we walked across the street from the train station and asked the hotel if they would store our luggage. Of course, we offered them a a fee to do so, and they were more than happy to oblige.
0: Sure. They have a room with a lock and a man that's job is to, you know, run around these kind of errands and they make a few bucks. That makes sense.
2: Right. And what it did is it freed up a good part of the day for us to visit Vienna and then uh, catch an overnight train to Venice.
0: You know, it's a very clever idea in this day and age with comfortable trains and high expensive hot- high cost of hotels and the low value of the dollar. I remember back in my super-budget days of travel, I would get out the map and scheme to maximize the overnights on the train. I would, If I was four hours from one town and I had an interest in a town four hours in the other direction, hey, why not go four hours in the other direction, see that town, and then sleep through the town I already had seen to get an overnight on the train, avoiding a hotel, saving a whole day on my itinerary, and traveling cheap.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, In fact, we've used overnight trains quite uh, extensively. It covers a lot of ground, and you're able to see what you want to see on, on a limited time, uh, yeah, n- time base. Now,
0: do you normally pay for a couchette on the train, or do you sleep for free on the train?
2: No, we actually, um, having read a lot of horror stories, we actually uh, get like a double compartment yeah it 's expensive, but it for us it it gives us peace of mind
0: and you 're saving time as well as money, so when you get a double you 're paying about what you 'd spend, I think, for a cheap hotel, but correct. You're, but you 're avoiding uh, sitting on a train for most of a day, so you get another day of travel into your itinerary.
2: correct. Our first trip to Europe, we spent um, a lot of time in training. <laughs> And then in further studies the following year, we decided we we read your books a little bit more and utilized the overnight trains.
0: Yeah. I mean, budget, you know, vagabond students and so on can take it to an extreme. You've got your year rail pass, so you could spend, you know, every week, every every hour on, on a train for the same cost. You can actually go out four hours at midnight Go across uh-huh. the track and come back in for four hours. It's better than sleeping in the park. It's just uh, a way to use that train system as a rolling sort of accommodation. Of course, for safety and for comfort, you'd want to spend money for a couchette. That's a bed on the train. Usually, that would be one of six bunks, two triple bunks in a compartment with strangers of both either uh, men or women in this compartment. You do get clean linen and a pillow and a blanket, a door that locks, and an attendant that takes your passport and your train ticket so you're not woken up in the middle of the night. If you want the uh, security and uh, peace and privacy of a double or a single, you can get that, but you'll pay quite a bit more than the, the basic couchette.
2: That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. But in our case, since we're technically we're seniors according to AARP, but that um, and we backpacked a lot in our youth, but we decided now it we kind of need a, a bit.
0: Yeah, well, you, they got reasonable beds on the trains. I've I've had a yeah. lot of uh, with my film crew. A lot of times, we'll work all day, we'll work and have a late dinner, hop on the train, and the next morning we're eight hours away and get out the camera and keep on working. It's very efficient.
2: Yeah, and we're we're hit the street running type of people. Where even flying over here, we're as soon as we check in, we'll store our luggage and where we hit
0: the streets. Good for you. And you're smart to use those luggage lockers in the train stations. Um, yeah. They, yeah. Now they're a little more expensive because some of them involve uh, x-ray security and so on for security, but you can generally find a place to check your bag. And if not at the station, use John's tip. Find a nearby hotel and ask if you can, uh, for a few bucks, leave it in their checked baggage facility. John from right. Fresno, thanks for the call. Thank you. Happy travels. Mm-hmm. Jeff and Lori in Seattle, thanks for your call. Hello.
3: Hi, hi, Rick. How are you? I'm
0: great. How are you doing?
3: We're fine, thank you. We have a question. We, we have many money-saving tips, but we actually have a question about going back to Europe. My husband and I would like to go back again in shoulder season. We we're wondering if it's best to book our flight to somewhere now. What we were hoping for was those last-minute online. Here's if you can travel within a week, deals. Here's your great deal packages. We wonder if we should wait for something like that, if we should book tickets now. Is it penny-wise, pound-foolish to wait?
0: You know, my understanding, and I don't think it's... um I'm not rock solid on this, but my understanding is lately it's better to book your ticket as far in advance as you can as soon as you know that you won't be changing the date. It's expensive if you get a cheap ticket to change the date, but the prices tend to go up as you wait. I don't think you can hope for a cheap last-minute flight these days. They're very careful to book the flights as full as they can, and I think you're better off booking in advance. But that that could change, and you, I, I like to use a, a travel agent who can advise me on those matters.
3: Okay, yeah, we we did use a travel agent when we went last year, and and she was very helpful, and we got what we felt was a good deal on the tickets. This time, just the two of us, without the teenagers, we felt that we could be somewhat more flexible, so we were... We were wondering whether those were real legitimate deals or not. Yeah. It sounds like they're not. I think
0: that's a little remnant of the past, and I think uh, lately uh, it's not as applicable. I think you're on the right target, though, to go shoulder season instead of high season. It's such a, a seasonal thing, and, boy, when, it's, when everybody wants to go, they're going to charge you uh, top dollar.
3: I hear it's very beautiful in all parts of Europe during that
0: time. You know, the more I travel, the more I travel off-season. I don't like the heat and the crowd so much, and I just bundle up, and uh, I find it very nice to travel in the spring or the fall or even in the winter.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Jeff and Lori, thanks for your call. You're welcome. Okay, happy travels. Bye-bye. Thank you very
3: much, Rick. Bye-bye.
0: Sarah's on the line in Safety Harbor, Florida. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Rick. Thanks for your call. Tell us a budget travel tip.
4: Well, my budget travel tip is sometimes it does not pay to be too cheap, Uh, My husband and I learned a very expensive lesson this past summer. We had a great uh, three week trip through the British Isles with our children. And our very last day, um, we got up a little bit late and we had to get from the South Bank in London to Heathrow Airport. And I had neglected to really research how far that was. And when I knew we were running a little bit late, we asked the taxi driver how much it would cost to get to Heathrow, and he said 50 pounds, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to pay almost $100 to get to the airport, we'll just take the tube. Well, as it turned out, uh, we were late, we missed our flight, and we had bought, with a budget airline, and there was restrictions on the fare, and we ended up having to Basically, buy four tickets home, Mm. and so we like to say that that was the most expensive taxi ride that we did not take.
0: Wow! So, (laughs) what do you figure you're out? What was the what was the financial loss? Thousand dollars or something? Um,
4: probably close to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, it was really hard to learn, but I just wanted to share that with others. I and think we that's,
0: had... that's good advice. We can learn from your uh, mistake there, and I've, I've been tempted to do the same thing, and lately, uh, a lot of times from a budget point of view, I just wimp out. I don't want to take the risk. I don't want the stress. I want to get to the airport in one piece. I'll spend 50 or $80 to get out there.
4: Yeah, well, we won't make that same mistake again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Thanks for
0: sharing that tip, and I hope that you have a... I, th- I hope that's your, your one miss there and that you catch all your flights in the future.
4: Me too. Thank you.
0: Okay, bye. Happy travels. You too. We'll look at the value of your time a little later this hour as we learn about Take Back Your Time Day. Up next, it's advice on looking up relatives and tracking family history in Sicily. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines, with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.
5: I'm Cecilia Bottai, produco vini di qualità in Italia e stiamo viaggiando con Rick Steves. And that's the Italian for I am Cecilia Bottai. I make fine wines in Italy and we are traveling with Rick Steves. Sono Cecilia Bottai, produco vini di qualità in Italia e stiamo viaggiando con Rick Steves.
6: Grazie.
0: I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I want to take you to Sicily right now because I have sitting with me two great Sicilian guides, Tommaso Ponte and Alfio Di Maro. Let's talk about Sicily. Thank you guys for joining us. When we say Sicily, what is the Italian word for Sicily? Sicilia. C- Sicilia. 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 Now, when we talk about Sicily, a lot of Americans have Sicilian heritage. I mean, uh, how many people live in Sicily right now? Five million people. And uh, is there an estimate of how many Americans there are with Sicilian heritage? Kind of 18 million Sicilian Americans in the U.S. So there's a, a lot of connection with Sicily, yes. and now Sicily is welcoming tourists a little more comfortably, and I think more Americans are going back and considering a trip to the the, the homeland of their family. Yeah. Do some people go back, I'm, I'm sure some people go back to find their roots, do some people, when they've lived their life, they have their retirement do they actually move back to Sicily to finish their life?
6: Uh, well, uh, this Not is very uncommon, but uh, it could be... up. I mean, we have, especially from Australia in that case we have a lot of people from Australia who both you know have house and they're getting retired the american just beginning just starting so most time.
0: americans come back to trace their roots
6: yes to trace their roots this oh, is okay. the most important thing so when we go to trace the roots you know we use a lot of records because don't forget that we have a huge amount of records especially in the churches the churches is the most important place where you can find your roots
0: what is an advice for an american wanting to find their roots on a trip to sicily how can they do this smartly?
6: Okay, how can do this smartly? is very easy. I mean, they at least should have a birth certificate or at least the date of birth of the person, you know, within the state. Then the area where he was born and then he go directly to the church. Don't go to the comune, to the town hall because, you know, you lose a lot of time. The <laughs> best, yeah, the best place is, are in general the churches. The churches, you can go back uh, looking for your, you know, genealogy. Churches have have these is, records Seventeenth uh, century, sixteenth century. Three, four hundred years. They have yes. the record
0: who was living in this parish.
6: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
5: And if I can give a suggestion, just don't give up. If the first time it doesn't work well, if you don't find the church open, or if if you didn't succeed, you should build also your journey in Sicily around that thing. So that can be a theme. Exactly. exactly. And go with the flow. Don't be disappointed. Try Morta one time, and, and time I'm different sure doors. you will
0: knock on the right door and somebody will be more than happy to help you. And yes. with this theme and with this agenda, you're likely to have some pleasant, happy surprises of just making friends and having good travel experiences. Absolutely, yes. Yes,
6: the priest would be your first friend, actually. Because the priest would be your yeah. first friend.
0: I'm, I'm speaking with Tommaso Pante and Alfio Di Mauro. We're talking about looking for our roots, and we're talking about Sicily. And Erica's on the line in Bellevue, Washington. Hi, Erica.
3: Hi, Rick. I'm a big fan. Thanks for taking my call.
0: Well, thank Um, you. I
3: am also one of those 18 million uh, living in America. My great-grandfather immigrated from Sicily. And I just wondered what sort of resources were available. It sounds like heading to the churches, looking for baptism certificates and that sort of thing, sounds like the best way to go. Do
0: do you have to know what boat your family came over on, or does that matter? That doesn't really matter, I don't think. No. So you really need to know basically, Erica, it sounds like you yes, just got to know the, the, st- the town and then go to the church. The so.
6: surname, the town is enough. And then you get the birth certificate, the marriage certificate, the death certificate. I mean, it's all recorded. Sometimes, you know, in this big book, uh, full of dust. So <laughs> If mm. you are allergic to dust, better you don't go there or you wear a mask because, you know, but the priest <laughs> will do this uh, great job. So the priest can, is happy uh, to do that. Eh? Yes, they are happy to do. Is for free. Actually, you don't have to pay nothing because this is a free, you know, free of charge uh, research. And they usually are very, very uh, friendly and available for you because uh, uh, we are having a lot of Americans coming back to Sicily, finding their true uh, roots. This is very, very important for us because uh, uh, it means that the Americans are uh, interested in Sicily. This is a great way, you know, to interact between each other. A good excuse to get together, really. (laughs) Now, does the family
0: name, I suppose it has a lot of meaning? It is. Oftentimes. Alfio Di Mauro. What is Di Mauro? Di Mauro, it it means something from Mauro. Uh,
5: I really don't know exactly. Is Mauro, is that Moorish or the wall, or what does that mean? It could be a a Moorish um, word, You know, we have a lot of this thing in Sicily. Di Mauro, Di Marco. So you don't know really what your family is. No, you know, Di in in Sicily and in Italy in general is like
0: Mac... Something Oh, D is like McDonald yeah. exactly. exactly, or Von, Or uh, uh, Von exactly. And uh, in my Tommaso case, Pante next. is your family name, Pante.
6: Pante yes, P A N T E. This is my family name. I have uh, I have been fascinated always by my true, uh, you know, my roots. So I went back, back and back and back. I arrived to the 17th century. I discovered that my family emigrated from France in the 17th century. They were farmers. I introduced in Sicily some particular things of. You know grapes like the Chardonnay. So they were part of wow. the first emigrating from France directly to Sicily, and they, you know, some in Sicily since the 17th century.
0: You traced your family back to the 1600s, and what was your best tool for finding this information? The church, did you?
6: Yeah, the, the, the church. I went to the church. It's all like the West, only to the way to go. You go to yes, the priest, and, uh, and they have yes, that information. Yes, at the last, at the past two generation, I used the, the traces that I had in the town hall, in the in the city hall.
0: Erica, it sounds like it's a pretty simple answer. Go to the village of your ancestry and talk to the priest.
7: Sounds great. I'll plan on that. Good luck. Thank you very and much. And I'm
0: sure that while you will be there
5: and then you will taste some food, I'm sure you will recognize something that you're still eating right now because your family was doing that, and
0: that thing comes from Sicily. Thanks a lot, Erica. Happy travels.
8: Thank you. You too.
0: Teresa in Missouri City, Texas, thanks for your call.
7: Hi, Rick. Thank you very much.
0: Isn't this fun, thinking about going to Sicily and looking for family roots?
7: I am so excited. My brother had gone to Sicily last year and just was wondering why in the world I had never been to Sicily on my other trips to Italy. So I am just so excited to be going.
0: Well, if I was Sicilian, I'd get over there right away. I'm not, and I enjoy it even so. But if you're Sicilian, you have a huge advantage, I think, because you can go to the little village. Well,
7: come on. Just I'll I'll just
0: make up a name, a good Sicilian name. Come on,
7: just put a vowel (laughs) on it and let's go. You're part of my family. Oh,
0: good. I do have
7: a question, though. I wanted to know how forthcoming the priests are um, in maybe connecting you to your family. If, you know, like your surname, um, if maybe they have parishioners still there with your same surname, how free are they to, like, connect you up actually with them?
0: Is there a a privacy concern or they want to...
6: no, I mean, um, I made, personally, what I did, I made research from some American. They gave me a sort of permission, written permission. I went on their behalf to the priest. Was not a problem for him. So, no, no, they don't have any concern about. So, the priest
0: will not protect local people from uh, the American that's coming. The priest will be so happy to do that. that.
6: Yes, no, 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 I don't know. Teresa,
0: I mean, like, obviously, I'm not saying your last name on the radio because in America we're a little more careful about that, but I think that's uh, probably kind of silly in Sicily. Americans are so welcome in Sicily. Yes. Yeah. So it's, well, a very, uh, it's just one big festival down yes. there, it sounds like. Is there
7: like. a difference in whether you look for someone, say, in um, Palermo or Cefalu versus maybe a smaller community like Castle Votrano?
6: Castelvetrano, well, in this case, I suggest you to stay in Cefalu or Palermo instead of a catcher, uh, Castelvetrano. You know, Castelvetrano is a little town in the province of Trap, and it's a little bit far away from everything. Really? Okay. So right. that's why I suggest what? you Cefalu, that's the best place.
7: Yeah, well, I have relatives in all three, or had. My grandparents uh, came over on the boat, of course, for $35, you know, in the early 1900s, and they always had... Um, photographs of the island and my grandmother always used to talk about the island of course it was only in italian you know so i had to get the translation but i have always envisioned that and i really feel you know closer to her just thinking i'm going to be going there and seeing where she lived and Mm. and what she experienced of course you know many years later but still the fact it just feels it it, i'm just so thrilled i'm living the voyage you know (laughs) even (laughs) before i get there
0: Teresa, make it happen I will. Teresa from Missouri City, Texas, thanks for your call.
7: Sure, thank
0: you. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm joined by two Sicilian friends and fellow tour guides, Tommaso Ponte and Alfio Di Mauro. We're talking about Sicily. Our phone number, 877-333-7425, or you can email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com. Misa in Seattle, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Hi. How you doing? We're doing great.
8: It's so nice to hear those guys talk. Isn't it fun? It's so much fun because the thing I wanted to say was people need to go to Sicily because the Sicilians are the, the funnest people I've ever met. <laughs> and I've been all over Ireland. I speak Italian, so I'm really lucky because I could really talk to people. And I was there right before the last election, and everybody wanted to talk politics with me, even people I met for like... Two minutes over buying a gelato, wanted to really, really ask me questions, not just tell me. Yeah. I think people can hear from how these guys talk about life, how passionate. Civilians are.
0: And they're paying attention to American politics, too, from their perspective.
8: Absolutely. And they have opinions in ways that we don't have opinions on other people's politics because we don't know about them.
0: Yeah. And I remember going up to the volcano in a Jeep and the the driver of the Jeep was dying to talk politics. But there's a politeness, so they're not going to broach that. But as soon as I let it be known that I'm comfortable talking politics, bam, we had ourselves a, a great conversation. Alfio, Tommaso, any ideas on talking politics?
6: Well, politics is a great issue in Sicily. So don't forget that we have a different government from the rest of Italy. The rest of Italy, we have the left parties on the government. In Sicily, we have the right party. So first of all, big differences between Sicily and the rest of Italy. Politics is, uh, you know, when we talk about politics, when we think about politics, we think always about the dirty thing, about, you know, mafiosos and so on. But uh, the attitude now is changing, especially the new generation, they don't want to be more active in politics. They do, they, so they want to participate in a very active way to the construction, to the building of the new Sicily. Don't forget that Sicily has changed in the past 20 years very much. Don't forget that Sicily was a very poor island. Now, it's a rich island, I would say. (laughs) It's not a poor island. This was thanks also to the politics changed the attitude of the Sicilian this last past decades. Also, there's a huge emigration factor of the Sicilians
0: coming to the United States. Uh, yes. Because historically, poor parts of countries would leave the country from Norway or Sweden or Ireland or, or Italy. So the Sicilians went to the United States. Exactly. So you have a big connection with America. Yes. yes. May I say something about this? Sicily, you have the major of
5: Sicily because of people that left Sicily at the beginning of the century. And that is very true. Especially, there was a big Huge earthquake in on 1908. 80,000 people in Messina only died. Wow. So that was the beginning of the, can I say, bulk migration? Bulk migration. Towards North America and South America as well. We are right now 5 million in Sicily. At that time, the population was much lower and 1 million or 1.5 million Sicilians left. Right now in US there are
0: 18 million Sicilian Americans. So this is almost like Ireland with more of your people in America, really. And do many of these people, when they are ready to retire, do some people go back to the old country, back to Sicily?
6: Yes, they come back, and they usually come back to find their roots. This is amazing because, you know, you come Sicilian third, the fourth generation find their roots, find their traces. So you go to the churches, you find the baptized certificate, the marriage certificate. This is very exciting for them because when you find even one certificate, you can go back, back, back into records that you can get to the 17th century and the Americans, especially the Americans, they get amazed. Oh, Mamma Mia, this is really something that I never heard before. So it's really fun, you know, when you go back, back, back to the, you know, generation. And yes, we have a lot of, American, Sicilian, we are coming back. Sometimes you know what they come for? To claim the properties. Because they remember that probably their grandfather, grandmother, they had a house, they abandoned the house, but they cannot claim the properties because we have a law in Italy. After 20 years that you don't claim the properties or you don't pay the taxes, you lose them. So they, when they arrive there, they get a little bit disappointed because, oh, that house was mine, but it's not mine anymore. <laughs> 20 <laughs> no. years. You snooze, you so lose. Come to Sicily more often. Often. Come visit
0: me more often. Good advice. Misa, thanks for your call. I hope that was interesting for you.
8: Well, and you know, the thing about the connection with the American, when I was in the Vucaria market in Palermo, I met this group of men who were eating tripe at 10 o'clock in the morning and washing down with this red wine. And this old man came over to me and I was speaking Italian and he said, well, where's your grandmother from? And I said, well, New York. He said, No, 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 before New York. And I said, No, 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 I'm not from here. And he, because I'm Jewish, but he was so wanting me to be Sicilian that I, that was my most welcoming moment. He just was so like, he's like, Look at you, you're, you're little like Sicilian and you talk with your hands. And I'm like, Well, that's the Sicilian in all New Yorkers. Because New York was totally shaped by this huge amount of Sicilians who were there. And many of the characteristics that we think are New Yorkers. I think, are Sicilian.
0: You know, that's very interesting how that was rub off on each other in an immigrant community like New York.
8: The, the people and my grandparents came at the same time as these people came, and they were all in these little neighborhoods all next to each other, yeah. all having the same kind of relationship with the people who were from there, and they all kind of became... New Yorkers, and when I was in Palermo, I felt like I could close my eyes and be in parts of New York.
0: Yeah. So when we go to Sicily, we can be honorary Sicilians. Exactly. Misa, thanks for your call. You're welcome. It, it, things are just festive. Every, everybody is like involved. I remember I was in, uh, in Cefalu, and everybody was looking at a beautiful girl walking by, all the men, and then suddenly everybody is looking at a Vespa, a little motorcycle. And one guy had a Vespa. He had a classic Vespa. And they treated it like like a beautiful woman. I mean, it had curves. It was just yes. magic. <laughs> Tell me about the uh, the Vespa culture, the Motorino culture.
6: The Motorino culture is very important in Sicily because we still use a Vespa because this is a great way of communication. Uh, of you know, we avoid the traffic. Yeah. We avoid the traffic. You you know how we crazy we are with the Vespa. We don't use any helmets. The helmets is just you know. Still today, no helmets. Generally, mm, I mean, generally, because in yes. Europe, with the
0: European Union, the big thing was you must wear helmets. Yes, and right. when I was there, the Sicilian said well, maybe the rest of Europe, but here yes. we have good-looking hair and it's going to blow in the wind.
6: Exactly, exactly. So we don't use any <laughs> helmets. Helmets is something, you know, optional that we could have or we couldn't have. So, and most of the people, they don't have it because otherwise, you know... It's uh, like it's,
0: it's like showing off again. It's the jewelry, it's the big watches, it's again. the hair in the wind, it's again. the great yes. classic Vespa, again. it's the big wedding.
6: Yes, and we use a lot of Vespa, a lots, of, you know, motorcycle, because uh, I told you, uh, traffic jam, especially in the big cities, Palermo, Messina is really crazy. So this is the main reason why I still use, you know, the Vespa. But also in the small villages, this is very popular because it's the way, you know, to get from a point to another. And, uh, right. Yeah. It is
5: very good in Sicily to go around with uh, a motorcycle or a motorbike right. because, first of all, you have good weather good. almost sure. all year round. Yeah. You don't deal a lot with uh, a lot of raining and cold temperature. And also sometimes As as Tomato said, in big cities, you have a lot of traffic jam, and sometimes you really struggle a lot before you find
0: a parking space. So, the the little Vespa, the motorino, the motorbike is getting. Yeah, so
5: again, if you go in Sicily, go with the flow. Don't be upset if you find a scooter parked in your sidewalk because that is completely normal. So, go around.
0: There's more with Alfio and Tommaso and your calls up ahead. Plus, we'll explore how we might carve out a little more free time in our lives with John de Graff. It's all still ahead. On Travel with Rick Steves. Whether your granny came from Palermo, Portugal, or Poland, there's useful tips in store for researching your family tree. On Travel with Rick Steves. Boy, you know, when you go to Sicily, you find that people are more decorated, weddings are bigger, pastries are sweeter. Like, it's life in the extreme. What is it? I mean, compare a wedding in Sicily compared to maybe uh, up in Milano.
6: Yes, okay. A wedding in Milano could be very simple. Only 50 people could be in a wedding. Uh, They don't pay attention how they dress. They don't pay attention about the food. No, this is exactly the opposite in Sicily. This is the main topic. I mean, this is the event of the day, (laughs) a wedding. (laughs) Okay, so we will dress. At least we must be 300 in this big wedding. We spend almost one day seated on the table eating, eating, and Above all, we must show our jewelry, our rings, our big watch with lots of brilliant or diamonds, and so on. So it's a sort of a parade that we have in a wedding. It's, oh, look at that! It's also a place of gossip because you know the gossip is, oh no, look at that girl! She's wonderful. She's uh, she's modeling, you know, and uh, and then it's a place of gossip. I mean, wedding is a very important event. So we could spend a fortune for a wedding. Sometimes you know. They get money from the bank, 20,000 euros for the wedding. Of course, they expect also for a nice present, because the present in a wedding ah, the is, presents are
0: bigger and the party is bigger. Of yeah. course. You go into debt going yes, having a wedding. Oh, a, you so know, it
5: is all a matter of pride, I think. Weddings in Sicily can be also a little bit uh, less huge than that one of the, that Tommaso just described but they are certainly different than the weddings that you see in the rest of Italy. Probably it, the wedding is not the event of the day, is the event of
0: the life. Event so, of the life. Uh, the event
6: of yeah. the life. But for the village, yeah. is the event of the day. For the whole village, everybody uh, yes. is there.
0: <laughs> I, I like this notion that in, in Sicily, life is a parade, and that also fits in with the passeggiata, the time when everybody is out walking. Bella figura. What is that?
6: Passeggiata, well, passeggiata is the... Event of the night, usually. <laughs> Explain. So,
0: what is it, first of all? It's a stroll. Everybody's out strolling. It's, out strolling, it's like cruising yeah. in America without cars. Everybody yeah. is out making the scene. Yes. Old it's people, young people.
6: Everybody. You know, with a gelato, having a passeggiata, with all the family, especially by now. I
0: saw the grandmothers up on the balconies looking down at the girls not wearing enough clothes, you know? Yes. And they're going tick, tick. tick. Yes, gossiping. yes, Look at these, look at these
6: <laughs> Yes, yes crazy gossiping, girls. you know, crazy girl. The new generation, oh, the new generation. Yes, that, that is cool. unacceptable,
5: <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
6: Uh, no, the passeggiata is uh, really important for us. The most important meal for us is lunchtime. So for dinner, after dinner, usually it's a very light dinner, we go after dinner for our stroll, our passeggiata. We spend, you know, uh, three hours, four hours uh, having our gelato. Midnight, we go back at home, and then the next day we are ready for... Three hours,
0: night after night.
6: Yes, yes. I mean, especially in the summertime. In the summertime, you, know, you get, summertime.
0: get out and summertime. take a, a, a stroll. Is yeah. this
6: just for young people? No, no, no. Everybody, me, young people or even elder, you know, they go for the passeggiata. And this is a very important moment also of interaction because this is a moment where you meet the friend. Uh, so you take a coffee. I mean, you get a coffee with a friend. So it's a great moment of interaction.
0: Tell me about the single, um, you know, boys looking for girls, girls looking for boys. How does this work on the passeggiata?
5: Well, you know, the passeggiata usually, it depends how big it is the city if it is a small village everybody is going to be there in the main street or in the piazza that is something that we really enjoy in Italy or especially in Sicily the culture of the piazza everybody is going to be there and in general the boys are on the sides of the street or or the piazza and the girls are kind of showing themselves with the new clothing with the new shoes and they go back and forth yeah. uh, in this uh, main street or in this yeah. piazza showing themselves.
0: It's a sort good of a fishing
6: games R. from the boys. I'm fishing. Let me see what kind of girl I get tonight. <laughs> and how yes.
0: does a boy, so, so a boy is standing there and the girls are walking back and forth. And a boy sees a girl he wants to... Uh, to go fishing uh, he, for.
6: You know, is uh, eye contact.
0: Eye contact.
6: It's eye contact. It's just a a a game of eyes.
0: And do the who's in control, the girls or the boys? Oh, well, of this course is a- always the girls. <laughs>
6: Yes, I agree with you in this case. But they are so smart
5: that they let you think that you control everything. Yes. It's not true at all.
6: Exactly. This is a great game that the girls play, actually. But I must say, it's not let's find a girl
5: for the night. You know, the passeggiata is something serious. Of course, time is evolving also in Sicily. But a couple of decades ago, you know, the passeggiata was something serious. You right. probably would have found your wife there, yes. not so, just not your married girl yes. Yeah. Yes. yes, you know, because also the, the the family of the girl would have been there watching you, if not ah. escorting the girl, you know, so it is something that has a kind of a tradition, of course, now time is changing, and the modern, new
6: generation they don't pay attention anymore. I mean, if they like uh, a man or a woman. They don't pay attention. No. But in, this, in, a small in the
0: small villages,
6: this still, is still yeah. a big deal. Still. So
0: a fun thing for a tourist to do is to uh, be out at that hour. What time is the passeggiata
5: normally? After dinner, yeah. but dinner in summer in Sicily is going to be a kind of late. Uh,
0: so oh, 9 o'clock, after 9 right. o'clock. After 9, nine, nine to 11 or something yes. like yes. yes, 9 to but 11, and this
6: is exactly the time. Very
0: nice. This has got me all filled with ideas for my next trip to Sicily. I've been talking with Tommaso Pante and Alfio Di Mauro Friends and tour guides from Sicily. Thank you both very much for sharing about your beautiful island. Thank you. you, Ciao.
6: Ciao. Grazie.
0: Okay. So far today, we've heard some budget pointers and learned about researching your family history back in the old country. But what if you just don't have time to travel? John DeGraff joins us now to describe a movement he's helping to spearhead called Take Back Your Time Day. Mark your calendar. It's October 24th. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. And today I want to talk about something very fundamental to travel, and that's vacations. And I'm joined by John DeGraff, and John's an independent producer for public television, uh, quite well known for his special called Affluenza, an analysis of how affluence can actually be kind of a flu when it comes to our quality of life. John is following that up by being the national coordinator for a movement called Take Back Your Time. This guy is quite a subversive. He wants us to work less and and, and live better. John DeGraff, thanks for joining us.
9: Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show, Rick. Now, you're pushing a movement called Take Back Your Time. I have been for about four or five years now. It's uh, Officially, it's a U.S.-Canadian initiative to challenge the epidemic of overwork and time poverty that really threatens, in our view, our health, families, communities, and the environment. You're saying that we work, we work too much in the United States and it's not good for us. I am saying that. We, we do work too much and it's not good for us in many ways. It does give us the grossest domestic product in the world. Uh, you yes, say grossest? Uh, yeah, in that sense. Well, we yes. have a very <laughs> gross domestic product. I hadn't thought about it <laughs> but that But in way. order to get that, we have to sacrifice, I think, many other values that we hold dear, predominantly things like health and family life. And, and overwork really does cause stresses on so many other elements of life. Well, let's talk about that. How does overwork hurt my health? Well, one of the things we find is that Americans are just a whole lot less healthy than people who work less, particularly the uh, Europeans. We Americans spend nearly twice as much on health care per year as any other industrial country, and yet we have the worst outcomes. By comparison, for instance, even to the Brits, Americans are twice as likely to suffer chronic illnesses. We die younger. Even rich Americans are no healthier than poor Brits. And part of what the studies show is that a lot of this has to do with the stress we have from from not having time for taking care of our health, for exercising, for socializing, and, and we know that socializing with friends and family has a huge positive impact on health.
0: So you're saying that working long hours like we do, we take a hit in just our social
9: well-being. We take a hit in our social well-being and our health. And studies we all...
0: show we have less friends than. That's
9: right. In uh, we are now the loneliest people really on the planet. Uh, some studies show that the average American now has only. Too close friends outside their immediate family, and that 25% of Americans claim to have no friends at all. But we have more money. We do. So? I won't deny that. We have more money. We it's, do. It's the economy, stupid. It's the stupid economy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ask the question, what's the economy for, anyway? If you answer that question that the economy is just to have the grossest domestic product or the highest Dow Jones or the highest number of millionaires or billionaires, then, uh, in fact, we win as Americans. But if the economy is about what we say the greatest good for the greatest number over the long run, that is a high quality of life that's with fairness so that it's spread out uh, to everybody and that's sustainable in terms of both the environment and and our fiscal health over the long run, then we're not doing very well at all.
0: Okay, but what you're saying is considered uh, quite subversive, I would think, to captains of industry and corporate directors and boards and so on.
9: Uh, I plead guilty. I think subversive can be a very positive thing when it comes to turning around something that isn't in our our best interests as a people. And I think when we we compare ourselves and you, I think have a chance to see a lot of this in your travels to Europe and to other places. When we really compare ourselves to quality of life in in other places, and we look at the numbers, and the UN does mm-hmm. exquisite statistics on all of this stuff, if we compare almost any quality of life statistic from health to family life to crime, and we look at how the United States has done over the past 30 years or so, we see that we've declined relative to other industrial countries in virtually every area of quality of life. And I would maintain that a big part of that is because we have been aiming for using all of our gains in productivity to have more stuff, to produce more We're obsessed with producing and consuming at the expense of these other quality-of-life values. So our productivity is up. Well, our annual productivity is up. But we could take more stuff or we could take more free time. Yeah. And we choose more stuff. When we look at productivity per hour, there are several European countries that actually produce more per hour than we do Actually, the highest of all being the French, su- surprisingly. But when it comes to productivity for the whole year, then we, we Americans lead the pack because we simply work so much. On average, we work about nine weeks more than the average European does, some 350 hours per year more. What, October
0: yeah, 24th is take, take Back Your Time take Day. Take Back
9: Your Time Day is October 24th. It falls nine weeks before the end of the year, and it represents the nine full weeks more that Americans work in annual working hours compared to the average European. We work nine weeks more a year than the average European? total hours. Uh, What makes that up is much longer vacations in Europe. It includes more holidays. It includes shorter work weeks. Look, for instance, at key economic indicators, for example, balance of trade. The United States is just doing much more poorly. Most of the European countries have positive trade balances. We don't. If you look at output per worker hour, many of these European countries are doing better than we are. Okay, right. so if you take the gross national product and you divide it by people, we would be producing more. Right. But if you divide it by hours worked, yeah. then what? Then we would not be producing more. But the question is, what do you want to do with these increases in productivity? Well, that gets back to who yeah. owns the motors in our society, the, the media,
0: the stock market. All of the pressures are to work more and produce more oh, because yeah. people uh, who own that then make more.
9: Yeah, and we are told that the good life is the good's life, that we've got to have all these things, that every time we gain anything in productivity that we ought to put that right back into producing more stuff, buying more stuff. But the fact is... That's a charade. That's not working for Mm. us. And the result is we're seeing poor health, poor mental health, family breakdown, all kinds of things. We are currently as an organization working on a campaign to try to uh, give Americans at least some minimal paid vacation time. So what's your legal agenda? What do you want to make law? We'd like to, to have a law in which Americans got at least two to three weeks of paid vacation and maybe another week or so unpaid if they wanted to take it. We are the only industrial society in the world today that does not guarantee any form of paid vacation to its workers. In fact, we're really in the minority even among all countries. 127 countries in the world today now guarantee paid vacation time for their workers, and they average between three and four weeks. In Europe, for example, you can't even join the European Union without guaranteeing four weeks of paid vacation to every worker after one year on the job.
0: So that's a precondition for all these new countries trying to get in. They've got to give people four weeks. weeks. And the
9: average now is six weeks. Does it hurt them? No. I would say no because they see the benefits in health. They see the benefits in stronger family life. They see the benefits in creativity and productivity when they are working. Officially, the average American gets 14 days of paid vacation, but we actually give back about four of those days. That's, uh, a Harris poll finds that the average American is giving back four paid vacation days that they have coming Why? each year. You mean they just don't take their... They just don't take it, and it's a, it's a $75 billion gift back from the workers, back to industry, in fact. Why would a worker not, like, look towards the end of the year and make sure he takes his his uh, Well, they vacations? don't take it because many in many cases people are afraid that... They'll be seen as slackers and be the next one to go when the downsizing comes. Other people say, I, I simply can't keep up. My company doesn't do any kind of cross-training or any of the kind of things that are taken for granted in Europe, and I just can't keep up. When I come back, there'll be 800 emails in my mailbox, and I just I can't do it. And increasingly, people are taking their work with them on vacation. Mm-hmm. But even more importantly, 25% of the American workforce actually gets no paid vacation and thirty seven percent of women earning under forty thousand dollars a year get no paid vacation. A recent study by the conference board, which represents big corporations, the think tank, they looked at vacations last year and found that forty percent of the American workforce did not even take off one week block so you're even saying vacation paid vacation as a concept is diminishing it's diminishing we are getting we're getting less of it, and particularly the idea of taking week or two week long blocks. Those family vacations and things that I certainly remember as a kid, and that are important for our families for bonding. Uh, families today taking about one third fewer vacations than they were in 1970 as families, for example. So You're saying a block of time is more a blo- important a than a day of here and A block of time is essential for health. Doctors say that you know got to have a week or so at least before it starts having a positive impact on your heart. You can't just have this mini vacation here and the mini vacation here. It takes time in our society even just to de-stress a little bit. I'm Rick Steves,
0: we're talking with John DeGraff, he is the national coordinator for Take Back Your Time. Now it seems to me you could make the case that vacation is never really paid, it's just that the salary is lowered and spread out over the year. So what's the case for forcing workers to take a vacation and not just paying them more per week and letting them take time off without pay?
9: Well, if people really let people take time off without pay, the argument might make some sense, but very few companies are doing that and very few people really have that choice. Yes, you're, you're right in saying that ultimately what you're doing is you're just lowering the pay and spreading it out over the years. So, you know, you're not getting necessarily more. But but the point is that we need to think as a country about turning this culture around a little bit and understanding that it's worth it to us, to our health, to our families to have this time, even if it means a little bit less in the paycheck, that this is this essential like you said, what's the economy for after yeah. all? And this would be a minimum. We think a minimum standard is needed, that then people can be also begin to know that they're going to get it, that it's going to be there, that they can have it. Uh, not always have the encouragement not to take it, because after all, I just maxed out the credit card, so I should work overtime and do this. I mean, these are are the kind of things, and, and they're why we really need a law in this country.
0: Now, the trend these days is not greater vacation, but downsizing, so you have fewer employees doing more of the job, isn't that the case? Right, and
9: that makes it harder for people to take vacations and enjoy the vacations. And we're just seeing the results in so many ways, particularly with kids. We have an epidemic that's been now called nature deficit disorder among children. Mm. That Children today are spending 50% less unstructured time outdoors than they were a generation ago. And certainly in the natural world, and just not getting out, families just don't have that time to go out and go on a camping trip and take their kids. And Yet that is so essential, and we find later on, Children remember that as some of the most important things in their lives and in their bonding with their families.
0: Where should we go for information? What should we do?
9: Well, our website is www.timeday.org. People can also look to books like Work to Live, uh, Joe Robinson's book, really terrific look at vacations in America as an endangered species. And at your website,
0: it does say how we can be active if we want to uh, actually become activists for longer vacations. Hey, thank you very much. I've been talking with John DeGraff. He's spearheading a subversive move in the United States called Take Back Your Time. Let's hear it for longer vacations. Thanks, John. Thank you, Rick.
1: Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online, including listener feedback, archived audio on demand, and podcast
0: extras. You'll find it in the radio section of our website, ricksteves.com. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.